everybody and welcome to Fireside Friends. This is episode 11. I'm Ryan Prasad and with me are my co-hosts Alan Ibrahim. Howdy. And Katie Marie. Hello. Howdy Alan. How are you doing today? I'm doing so well. I'm in a really good mood. I think I never know with moods. Uh, I was listening to another podcast today where they were talking about depression and how hard it is to go from like highs to lows. And mm-hmm. I just, I'm trying to appreciate the highs these days and come yeah. to a happy medium. So that's where I am kind of right now. That's good. Yeah, you know. yeah, I'm trying to keep myself at being at a happy medium or like a normal, not necessarily a happy or a sad, just a normal. Uh, reading helps with that a lot. I've been reading a lot. So self-care is important. Read books also. Good advice. Katie, how are you? Good. I stayed up till 5 a.m. last night, so that's a thing. And how hard did you party? Uh, I did not. I just laid in bed. <laughs> but you know, the hardest of parties. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the thing with technology is that you only need a phone for a party. True. Really, when you then think about it. I was it. partying. I was partying incredibly hard. <laughs> Who wants to go first? Katie, you go first. I'll go first. This is a this is a new start. All right. So <laughs> for the past two weeks, I've been playing a lot of Overwatch. Um, and recently they came out with their competitive mode. So I was like, oh hey, I'll get ranked. I'll do the competitive mode. This will be fun because I'm good at games. Oh boy. Well, oh no. <laughs> I've heard a lot of people complain about this mode. Same. Oh, I am not a fan, like, at mm-hmm. all. Um, so, as far as the placement matches went, that was fine. Um, like, a few of them I completely stomped. Other ones I lost. Like, you know, it's normal, whatever. The ranking system goes from 1 to 100. Uh, 1 being the worst and 100 being the best. And when I got ranked, I was 45. And I'm like, oh, okay, I guess that's, like, kind of near the middle. Um, but I guess what's not clear to me is, like, I don't know what that means because, like, in League of Legends, for example, the vast majority of the player base is Silver 4, but it goes all the way from Bronze 5 to, like, Challenger, Master 1, and then there's, like, 1 through 5 within each of the thing. So Mm -hmm. even though Silver 4 is not in the middle of all those rankings, it's the most common. So that's basically, like, where the player base is. That's average. I have no idea what average is in Overwatch. I don't know if 50 is average. I don't know if it's like the League of Legends thing. Regardless of that, though, it's it's win gains to loss. Loss is like super imbalanced. And like, um, if you lose a game, you basically go down a point. Um, you go mm-hmm. down from... 45 to 44. If you lose another one, you go down from 44 to 43. And um, when you win a game, you don't go up a point. Um, you basically have to win like 10 games to go up a point. And then, you know, like you lose, you go down an entire point. This sounds I, like the worst. It is the worst. And the I don't odds know. odds are stacked against you. I don't know what influences that. I don't know if it's like, oh, well, you know, everybody on the other team left. So... This game was really easy for you, so you don't get many points. The thing is, though, even playing fair and square, I 
win like nothing. And that's even when the team's average score was higher than my team's average score. So I don't know where that comes from. Um, as far as like I mentioned leaving, there really isn't any sort of penalty to leaving the game. Um, what, really? Yes. That really uh, seems backwards in right. a competitive mode. Uh, like basically the penalty is that if you leave, you get an experience decrease for a certain amount of time, and right. you're banned for further queues. Yeah, and that's kind of the same penalty as the quick play mode. Exactly. Um, the problem is in quick play, players are replaced when they leave. Like, if, oh, you know, when you're playing quick play, somebody leaves, somebody else fills in. That doesn't happen in competitive mode. Your team Man. is the team that you are stuck with for the whole time. So that I actually, sucks. yeah, I played a game where, you know how there's six people per team, five people left on the enemy team. And there was just one dude. And nice. Like, if somebody leaves the game after a certain amount of time, it tells you, you know, you can leave without a penalty, but you will take a loss. And taking mm. the loss decreases you a whole nother point. Mm. So it's like, what's happening here? Because, like, I think it should be, like, a loss prevented. Um, yeah. Like, again, mentioning League of Legends, they're implementing a system where it's like, uh, if you have an AFK or whatever, somebody leaves, you can make a vote to where the game is canceled out, loss prevented, nobody wins, nobody loses. Right. It just is. That reminds me yeah. of uh, when Rocket League came out and they didn't have really any preventions for people who left a game. Uh, so it was just games were full of people just bailing and you would have really one-sided matches. Yep. Yep, it really sucks. So, again, I started off at 45... <laughs> I'm at 35 now, and mm. all the people I play with are like, we're not playing competitive ever yeah. again. We're yeah. just going to play quick play because... That was, yeah, that also sounds like the complete opposite of what I liked about Overwatch to begin with, was just like, hey, we're not... A, you don't have to worry about, you know, ranking or anything. Just play as a game and have fun. Yep. I don't know. See, the thing is, I would be fine had I, you know, had like 10 losses in a row and I, you know, shot down in the ranking. But that is with wins. That is with wins after being ranked that I've lost 10 points. Mm -hmm. And it's not like constant losses. It's like win one or win two, lose one, win one, lose one, like that kind of thing. It's relatively even. And so I don't know how to maintain my rank because even though I'm, you know, basically winning as much as I'm losing or winning more even i am shooting down incredibly quickly and like there's nothing i can do to stop it um because i don't know what influences how many points you win versus how many points you lose um so yeah it's just and like i feel like i'd feel better if i knew it was something that i was doing wrong but you know how you get like gold medals if you have the best stats on your team like well, there's not enough feedback, basically. Right. Yeah, you know, like I'll yeah. have three gold medals out of five, and I'm like, okay, right. well, it's not me doing anything wrong. I just <laughs> don't know, like, what this point system means. I don't yeah. know why I'm shooting down in the ranks when I'm winning and also doing really well. So... Right. Yeah, Overwatch is really selective of what they choose to tell you about how you're doing. So, 
Uh, so that kind of that seems like it conflicts a lot with this competitive mode. I definitely agree. So I'm not a fan of the Overwatch competitive mode. I'm probably not going to be playing it anymore because I am on the fast track to like having a rating of one. And <laughs> like, I don't know, I can get the same thing out of the quick play without right. the frustration and mm -hmm. the lack of understanding. So right. I'm probably just going to stick with that because there we go. Yeah, that's a bummer. Also, hi, I didn't really intro the podcast properly. We're a pop culture podcast. We're going to talk about Jupiter Ascending later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have anything else, Katie? Um, Yeah, I just wanted to do like a brief thing because um, I went to a concert recently. Um, Four Year Strong was headlining and they had One for All and A Brighter Life opening for them. Um, it was A Brighter Life's uh, finale show. They're not a band anymore. So it's really nice to be there. Um, it's kind of like a pop punk type thing, uh, mm -hmm. you know, like this sort of, well, are you, are you a defender? I am a defender. I'm tired of this town. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, what the opener, um, one for all, uh, at the end of their set, they were talking and, um, I don't know. It was really important to me because he mentioned like hey, you know, this is a music scene. We need to make sure our scene is clean. We need to protect people. Educate your friends about consent. Let's not be abusive mm -hmm. or whatever. Let's raise awareness about what's happening and blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, support victims. Stop mm -hmm. abuse. Peace. And I was like, wow, that was a really awesome thing to hear. Um, because in the pop punk scene, there tends to be... a a lot of abuse, I suppose, because it's a more mm -hmm. intimate type thing. Um, and so it's like personal. And I suppose with more local bands, it's much like a bigger problem. And, you know, you, you can't continue to support those people who are doing wrong things. And mm -hmm. for a band to, you know, open for a relatively popular band like that for your strong, I was like, that's really awesome to hear because all these people you know, now have this. Um, so I guess like that, as somebody who is really, I guess that's really important to me for a band or whoever I follow to have like the same sort of code that I do, um, to have the same sort of feelings about things. Um, mm -hmm. Because if somebody is abusive, I don't feel comfortable supporting them anymore. Yeah. Um, and I think that was awesome to hear. Now, uh, another musician I wanted to bring up is Alice Glass. She was previously in Crystal Castles, um, and she left. Oh, oh okay. shit! Yeah, um, she left recently, um, and there's been like a bit of controversy around that because she no, she hasn't really specified why. She said that it was something she had to do, not something she wanted to do. Um, but I was reading a review, uh, an interview with her recently. And I came to find out that she is a huge feminist. Um, she completely advocates for um, uh, domestic abuse victims, sexual abuse victims, incest victims, and stuff like that. And um, the music she's putting out now, all of her proceeds go to, um, you know, uh, funds and charities that support victims of abuse and stuff like that. And um, I don't mean to be like, oh, you know. Here's the gossip, but um, just from 
how she's uh, talked about her involvement in Crystal Castles and how she's branding herself now, it seems like her partner was abusive to her, um, just mm. in her language and stuff like that. And I really appreciate what she's doing for other people. And I guess that's important to me as somebody who is a, a role model of sorts. I think it's important for musicians and people you know, that we admire, look up to, to do good things. And I don't know. I just really admire her. I really appreciate it. She's being very vocal. She's definitely helping people. And I'm like, you go, Alice Glass. I appreciate <laughs> you. I'm going to support you. Yeah. I went to a, uh, I also went to a concert, uh, like two weeks ago, um, for this, this fellow, John Bellion, um, who has written a lot of music that got very popular and has kind of recently launched his solo career. Um, and at the end of his concert also, he like took five, 10 minutes at the end of this very, very exciting closer, uh, Hand of God, which is just like a sort of epic call to self-reliance and all of this. And then he also ended it, like, instead of doing the chorus at the end where, like, literally a choir comes in, uh, he just kind of let the music play and then spoke to the audience kind of candidly about uh, the things that were going on in the news because Orlando had just happened and also, uh, you know, just advocating that people treat each other like human beings. Because, again, yeah, like, as an artist, having a concert is the best way to directly reach your audience and communicate with them on a personal level because you know you can't talk to everyone individually but when you have this venue and you have their attention that's the place that it's extremely important and extremely worth your time to pause and be like hey we're having fun here we're listening to fun music and that's great we're all dancing but like mm-hmm. you're gonna leave here and this the world is out there and like let's let's think about that uh and yeah it's <sighs> i'm I, I also heard recently is that stuff about Alice Glass and, and her partner in, in Crystal Castles, and it's super unfortunate because it makes it hard to ever want to listen to music by a person that seems to have been an abuser at some point, or is. Like, it's just... Uh, it's no good. Like, fuck, mm-hmm. I don't know what to say, but I'm happy that yeah. she's she's out there speaking the good word. Yeah. Uh, I talk about Slater Kinney a lot my favorite band and how it's my favorite band. Uh, but, uh, on their last tour, uh, they, I think, I don't know how it worked, but, uh, they had a, pl- a bunch of like Planned Parenthood stuff there. Like they were basically, I think Planned Parenthood were supporting their tour or vice versa. Um, and they would take, uh, like a few minutes, um, during like their encore, I think. And, just talked about like advocating for birth control and uh, women's rights and stuff during their concerts. And uh, that band obviously has a a history of just having a bunch of songs about feminism and issues and stuff. And yeah, music. Good music. It brings us together and it reminds us what's important. Yay, music. Hooray. Uh, Alan, why don't you go? Hi. Uh, so a very important part of the hi here's my presentation I brought slides <laughs> I brought notes and slides um, a very important part of the pop culture that's defined me in the last ha- half decade or so uh, is George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire series uh, which was adapted into the HBO TV show Game of Thrones which I don't need to tell people that that's like the most popular TV show um, out of all of them more than the news maybe can uh, you Wait, can you repeat all of that with, with like, an YouTube essay voice? (laughs) 
Ryan learned recently that I did YouTube essays for college at one point, and now it's, it's been discovered that I have I can do a YouTube essay voice. Nice. George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire is a series <laughs> about a man named Jon Snow. Jon Snow is the son of... <laughs> um, yeah, so for basically it's it's one of those standard fantasy shows but it's m- very much grounded in uh history and humanity like there aren't a lot of and there aren't any races uh that are discussed as like characters that aren't uh human or i guess giant or you know there are there's only like one or two giants on the whole show and that's a plot point but uh i i specifically want to talk about the latest season of the show and where it is and then also um the telltale video game which i've recently gone back to playing Mm-hmm. Uh, so the show just recently wrapped up its sixth season. Um, it started in 2011 and they've been doing one a year. Uh, and I find that show fascinating, even separate from the property that it's, uh, uh, it's encompassing because it's event television at its finest, in my opinion. Like I, I have people that hear, for example, like for the final episode of the season, I had a bunch of people over and, uh, we had a bunch of drinks and we just like watched Game of Thrones and sc- screamed at the television. Like it was one of those things. And mm-hmm. I told him I was at a, I was at a pool party and I was like, I have, this sounds like the fucking whitest shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was at a pool party and then I had a bunch of drinks with my friends and watched Game of Thrones. Ugh. No, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, they were like, Oh, what's the big deal? Like, should I watch this show? Should I get into it? And I'm like, you know, it's it's hard to recommend a show that's six seasons in, especially because it's like it's so relevant when it's on that if you're not watching it when it's on, it almost like feels lessened somehow because uh, I can recommend the books to anyone. I think they're fine works of literature, um, if a little bit indulgent sometimes, but in a good way. Uh, but the show is so much like if you got to be watching this week to week. This show is like a big reason that the spoiler on spoiler discussions on the Internet um, is a big topic. Because uh, for those, <laughs> which we're never going to talk about that here, but like for those 10 weeks that it's on every year, uh, everyone on my feed that watches it, like that's what we talk about. And it's this unifying thing of like, did you see what happened on Game of Thrones? Do you, what do you think about this? What are your theories? What are your plans? Mm-hmm. Uh, and what's great is that now in the sixth season, uh, there's no more books for them to adapt. They've like gotten ahead of the books. So they're in entirely speculative fiction at this point, uh, or at least like, Martin, the the author of the books, has consulted with the writers of the show and been like, hey, here's where I'm planning to go. Uh, take this right. however you want and do whatever you want with it. Um, right. So they're clearly doing different stuff. There's like drastically different plot points, but it's so fun and so cool to see a show because I, I read the books a while, like, you know, two or three years ago. So for a while, it was like, I'm watching the thing that I liked reading get adapted to television. But now that there's no more stuff for them to adapt, it's like, all of this is new to me. Everyone that dies is just that's happening in front of me live. Uh, and everyone else in the world is seeing it at the same time. It's this very much like hippy dippy, like, oh, we're all one. We're all watching the same thing and experiencing the same uh, world together um, and watching it change that, and, and bend. That reminds me a lot of The Force Awakens and like the new Star Wars stuff. Yeah. This, this is the first time in our lifetimes where it's just like, oh, this is the Star Wars thing and we don't know how it's going to end. Yeah. Right. That uh, that was the yeah. feeling when I got when I went to the theater to see Force Awakens. It was like when that opening crawl came up. I'm like, I don't know what this is gonna say. This could be anything. Anything yeah. could happen. And it was like you get that little like kind of like glimmer in your in your chest of like this is all fresh. This is all I anything. Just the feeling that anything could happen. Uh, with, yeah. with with Star Wars, I feel like it was more um, optimistic and exciting. 
Uh, but the attitude of most Game of Thrones viewers is like, who are they going to fucking ruin this time? Like, oh, who are they, who's, sure. whose life are they going to destroy and then make me cry? Uh, bring it, <laughs> like, bring it on, that kind of attitude. Um, which, which relates to the Telltale game of Thrones game, uh, which is not that good. Oh no. Oh no. A Telltale game isn't good? What? <laughs> sorry. Uh. sorry, sorry, wait, I'm, I'm just gonna say Tales from the Borderlands was one of my favorite games last year. So, well, that's the thing is you convinced me to play Tales from the Borderlands. We talked about it on this show, and like that game is amazing and subversive and brilliant in a lot of ways. Um, and Game of Thrones was coming out around the same time, like slightly before. And that game is not trying to be subversive and not trying to be clever. It is just <laughs> one of those. Mm. Like I even played The Wolf Among Us, the Fables game that they made, and that was fine. Nothing. It didn't like set my heart on fire. It was just whatever. And, and tales, he, yeah, tales from the Borderlands just feels like it was removed from like the grind of Telltale games that's happening. Yeah, you it know? was like their reward just, at like, the end. Somebody of all wanted of that. to make a really cool story with really cool characters, and they did it. Exactly. Uh and that's and so with the Game of Thrones thing. They're getting back to doing an adapted property. Uh so like when I talk about the show it's like oh they're adapting it so they get to they get to do all of these really neat things with it but with the game it's like you're just trying to do the show because it's an oh, adaptation of the show not the not the books um so is it's it like direct like no cuz I thought the whole conceit of Telltale games was like oh your choices affect the outcome and stuff like that well that's the thing is none of your choices can actually affect anything major because all of that stuff's happening in the show canon like this happens within the canon of the hbo show you're playing as a different family um a sub family of the starks who were for a while the sort of like protagonists i guess of the show and the books um but they've kind of fallen out of grace uh and the the foresters who you're playing as in the telltale game are just such a minor house um and their whole conflict revolves around these people the white hills another family um but that family is just the boltons like they are a subfamily of the boltons so it's just like Instead of the Starks versus the Boltons, it's the Foresters versus the White Hills. It's just the same thing. And you're going to kill mm-hmm. characters to get me excited because you think, the writers of the Telltale game think that, like, oh, when they killed a character on the show, that was a big deal. That's how you get the viewers. It's like, it feels like it has the idea of what a good Game of Thrones story is, but none of the actual substance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, again, like, I'll say it's a six episode series. It's done at this point. Um, but I'm, I've only played the first two. Uh, and I just, I feel like I know what's coming because. It constantly feels like they're just trying to get the cameos in there because there are characters from the show that appear mm-hmm. um, and are voiced by their actors, which is cool. Um, but like, OK, hey, cool. It's Daenerys. We're going to see her in episode six because she's the dragon lady and she's cool, I guess. But like, mm-hmm. well, like, do you know why she's cool or do you just want to show her because she has dragons? I don't know. I just having those two things side by side was a really stark indicator that like yeah the showrunners are doing interesting things and the game uh, designers are like or the game writers are just trying to tread the same ground and make you feel the things that you do when you're watching the show it's a little disappointing mm-hmm. yeah because the telltale stuff at its best kind of deviates from that stuff like the walking dead is just its own thing right mm-hmm. uh it doesn't so that's a little disappointing that they're just trying to chase being the show I guess it sounds like. Yeah. Right. And I feel like it would be disappointing for such a successful series to have such a eh game to follow it up. Like, I don't know. Well, that's the thing is Game of the Song of Ice and Fire has been around since the 90s. Uh, and off the top of my head, there have been only, 
I can think of right now, like three major uh, games that have come out. There was a bad RTS. There was a really bad Dragon Age clone just called Game of Thrones. Uh, like gameplay wise, it was basically Dragon Age, but you were like two or three characters instead of several. Um, and mm-hmm. then there's this, and like none of those are that good. And I'm like, it's so easy. There are good Lord of the Rings games. There are good fantasy world games. Like, just there is there exists a great Game of Thrones political manipulation game out there. Uh, and I want that more than I want another Telltale like your your choices matter, but not really kind of game. Yeah. That's a bummer. But people should watch the show. And if you have the time, uh, it is interesting and covers a lot of meaningful territory, just like symbolically and, and plot wise. It'll get you engrossed more than probably any other show uh, these days will, if you're willing to meet it halfway. Mm. Cool. Uh, I have seen every Wachowski film in between recording the two episodes. So All, of them. All of them. All of them. Fuck. <laughs> ask me anything what was the first Wachowski film the first one that I've seen what was the first one that re- oh yeah well like did you go in chronological order I guess I didn't because I've already seen I've seen the first Matrix which I rewatched mm-hmm. and I've seen all of Sense8 which isn't a movie but you know yeah uh, and then I saw Jupiter Ascending once before we watched it for this everything else was new to me well i saw bound before i made this adventure and i didn't want to rewatch that because i watched that a few weeks ago Mm. uh that's it ask me anything are the matrix sequels as bad as people remember them to be i don't think so okay here's my little spiel about the matrix (laughs) ready Mm -hmm. all right when i when i think about what makes the first matrix good um it's the cinematography is incredible uh the world building is really like there is a sense of yeah, you're discovering this world with neo and you're learning about all of these rules within the matrix and stuff like that and the first time you realize that you know the matrix is a construct it's like one of those like moments you can't really forget you know right, mm-hmm. um and the way they go about world building is just you know they allude to so many things really vaguely um and the example i want to point to is like the city like zion um the way to describe it in the first film is just like oh there's you know one last city that humans are inhabited and that's like our last hope um and that's why we need to take you know get rid of the matrix and just live there and so that place can prosper and whatever um but then when you start getting into sequels, it's just like, okay, we need to expand on the Matrix. Um, and keep in mind that, you know, the Matrix isn't, it's an action movie, but it has restraint and it builds over time. Mm-hmm. And the last shot of the Matrix is literally Neo launching <laughs> into the sky from a top down perspective. So he's launching at the camera and like he can see through the Matrix, he can see through everything. And once you get to that level, there's not really anywhere else you can go. So that's why you need stuff like we're going to invisible dudes, white dudes with dreadlocks, I guess. And <laughs> yep. multiple deus ex machinas and uh, just the most ridiculous, like a bunch of like the agent Wilson, Wilson Smith, that his name. <laughs> agent Smith? Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really bad with names. That's okay. Uh, I like agent Wilson. Uh, that's his brother. Anyway, 
Uh, so you need ridiculous shit like that because Neo's basically a god. Um, well, after so a certain when... point, it's not basically. It's literally. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, and I don't envy having to write like a second Matrix movie. Um, but those movies, like, I know people who like the second and third Matrix films. Like, those movies are action as hell and... It's really messy. Like, I'm not going to deny that it's really messy, but I don't think they're as bad as people say they are. Um, and the thing is, like, they have themes. They explore some stuff. I don't know if it does it well, like, but I applaud that they at least, like, tried to explore, like, okay, what does it mean? Like, what's the difference between being a program and being a human? Uh, and, you know, what does... You know, what does, like, coming together in this society look like and taking it down, taking down, like, a stronger power? Because keep in mind, uh, the thing that happened between the first Matrix and the other Matrix movies was 9-11. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And that makes a lot of sense, like, uh, thinking about it in that context, uh, those these movies. And, uh, yeah, I, like, they, they kind of what I expected them to be, I guess. Like, Except for maybe, like, the robot shooting mech, like, mech part of the third film. Yeah. Kind of came out of nowhere. But in terms of just, like, yeah, of course it's, of course it's going to be really messy. And, of course, uh, there's going to be multiple god figures that, uh, you know, bestow power upon Neo or, you know, present some binary choice of just like you're gonna destroy the city or you're gonna save your girlfriend or whatever (laughs) um and of course there's a part where uh neo gets to the city and poor uh people of color like basically treat neo as like a god of course that disgusting part is in that movie um but i don't hate them i mean they're fine I feel like, I mean, this is obvious 101 internet bullshit, but, like, they people exaggerate when they talk about those movies, I feel like. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. They're fine. I don't know. It's always been interesting to me how the, like, rise of the Matrix sequels came about exactly at the same time as the rise of, like, internet forums and internet discussion. Uh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. those films would have existed in a very different light if people weren't like dissecting them from before the first one came out. Like there were websites promoting the first movie uh, in these cool, like ARG weird, like what is the matrix kind of ways. Uh, and then they just kept making more of them. And you're like, no, you're exploring interesting things, but why, why? <laughs> and then the animatrix yeah. came out and you're like, Oh, that someone gets it. You should see the animatrix, Ryan. It's really good. Mm. Uh, okay. Parts of it are really good. It's like a anthology. Uh, what mm-hmm. was the other uh, Wachowski film that I wanted to ask you about? Well, I just want to say though that oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think the idea that the Wachowskis didn't understand the Matrix is bullshit. Right. Like <laughs> they made the sequels and they wrote them and they clearly had ideas in mind, uh, and the rhetoric of just like oh they didn't understand what made the Matrix good and they fucked it all up. Like they did what they wanted to do, uh, whether it was whether they did it because you know studio pressure to make a sequel or you know making audiences happy or whatever they still did it and they still made the movies that they wanted to make so i don't subscribe to the idea that you know 
oh, they misunderstood or, you know, had someone else, you know, made those movies, they would have been different. Like, that's probably right. true, but, like, it's still their movie. Like, I don't, I don't think people should, you know, be so up in arms about what they wanted to do with it. I don't, like, I, again, I don't necessarily agree that what they did was amazing or anything, but, like, you know, they're not that bad. <laughs> Chill out. Chill out. <laughs> Internet. <laughs> yeah. Try to enjoy things more. Like Speed Racer. Did you, have you seen Speed Racer yet? I, I've, I saw it a long time ago. I owned the DVD uh, and I watched it when I bought that and I'm going to rewatch it soon. I meant to watch it before this recording. Is it, does it hold up? Is it still fantastic? The CGI in like the first act is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, it's pretty good. It's 2008. No, I, it's, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I love uh, the color palette in that film so much. Yeah. All of these, all of these movies are gorgeous. Pallet Watch 2016, bringing it back. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, thing I'll say is that the Wachowskis really love themes about you know, doing your best in capitalism. <laughs> yeah. And Speed Racer is definitely that too. So. They're, for for all the out there stuff that they've done, it, it's really impressive that there are so many themes uh, that they have like kept consistent through every single one of their films. Uh, mm-hmm. We were talking on, uh, on Skate Chats, the Farscape podcast that I host also. Hey, plugs. Uh, <laughs> That, that that show is cool because it has like a central theme of communication being the thing that can save the world uh, and that theme at least we're like almost halfway through seasons season three or four is still there like very few shows and like properties go for that long or creative teams are able to keep the same idea running that long and the Wachowskis are like no it's 2016 and capitalism is still fucked as much as it was in 2001 right. it just is and that's impressive yeah. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Bound. Bound is amazing. Yep. It is uh, a thriller in which two women who are in a relationship uh, fight the Italian mob. Or like they're, they are trying to get out of an abusive situation within the mob. And it's incredible. It's also very horny. <laughs> um, well. It literally ends with uh <laughs> one of them uh cuz the whole thing is just like they have different personalities and stuff. Uh mm-hmm. one of them is more tough and one of them is more sensitive and soft or whatever. And that ends like I have no problem with this line like spoiling this line but uh the tougher one turns they're in a red pickup truck. So she turns to her girlfriend and she goes, do you know the difference between you and me? And she goes, what? I don't know. And then they just drive off. <laughs> That's how that movie ends. Because well, they did it. They, they overthrew their whole situation. I love that movie a lot. I think that's going to be it before a break. Unless there's anything else. I think we're good. All right. <laughs> we'll be back.
we're back, and we're here to talk about Jupiter Ascending for a shared experience. This came out in 2015, directed by Lana and Lily Wachowski. Uh, what did y'all think of this movie? Because I know I've seen it once before, and I didn't like it the first time, and then I saw it the second time, and I was like, what was wrong with me? This movie's great. <laughs> so what do y'all think of this? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> I, when I was watching it, I was kind of like, the streets are at it again. And like, I don't know. I I felt like I didn't know what it wanted to be. Mm-hmm. I guess is my biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was incredibly beautiful. It was really nice right. to look at and really nice to yes. watch. I just Such um, as, that is the Wachowski way. There you go. But I kind of felt confused for a lot of it, and more mm-hmm. than that, um, I don't know. I guess I guess it didn't feel. Again, I felt like I didn't know what it wanted to be. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of my perspective. Okay. Uh, Alan, what do you think? This movie is anime. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. Right. Um, well, I mean, yeah, the Wachowskis love anime. Like, that's a, that's a fact. Uh, and that's why Speed Racer exists. But I, I enjoyed it. Um, it took some, like, acceleration time for me to get to the point where I was like, I think I like this movie a lot. Um, mm-hmm. cause at first I, I was messaging Ryan when I was like, cause I watched it in two parts. Uh, I got to, I think the scene, it was like right when Jupiter basically leaves earth. Uh, mm-hmm. and I was just like, okay, this movie's fine. It's kind of interesting. Mila Kunis is like not the best lead for a film, but she's, you know, she's carrying her weight and like Channing Tatum is, I can really tell from the, from minute he appears on the screen that Channing Tatum didn't know what he was in for when he signed up for this film. <laughs> <laughs> he just constantly looks lost and confused why he's there. Um, but once I, I started like reading about like, cause this film has a very interestingly polar, like critical opinion. Uh, a lot of people either hate it or adore it. And I was like, well, I know plenty of people hate it cause they say it's, it's muddled and confusing and weird, uh, without mm-hmm. substance. But like, why do people like it? And the, the like sentence that, that made it all, had it all make sense to me was, uh, someone said that this film resonated really strongly with teenage girls, uh, because, it is like a pure unadulterated young adult film with like none of the problematic shit that is the white mayonnaise fest that is the hunger games or uh the divergent franchise um and like none of that and it's just about a girl who who who's realizing how tough it is to be to be a woman in society uh and is growing up and, and like learning to accept responsibilities um so for that audience i totally get like yeah this movie is your jam uh but I still felt like there was some problematic stuff in it here and there that we can get into. Uh, mm-hmm. But, like, it is a visual spectacle. Um, and the action scenes are brilliant and beautiful. Like, it's it's spectacle is really the best word. I would, like, single word I would use to describe it. Mm-hmm. You know, what did you... Sorry, go ahead, Katie. I'm glad you brought that up, Alan, because when I was watching it and she was doing, like, you know, there was the montage at the very beginning where she's cleaning the toilets and going to sleep and saying, I hate my life. And then she was helping her friend pick out her dress. And she was like, I think he's going to ask me to marry him or whatever. I was like, this is a chick flick. I hate to use that term, but that's what this feels like. It feels like the kind of movies I watched when I was a tween all the time. Like the chick flick rom-coms. You know, I was like, Oh, okay. I guess that's kind of what this is going to be like. And then it was like super sci-fi and really intense chase scene. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, here it is. Channing the Tatum. Channing Channing the Tatum. Oh, my God. Channing (laughs) the Tatum. (laughs) 
<laughs> Channing Tatum has like Sonic the Hedgehog hover boots and also angel wings, and he's also a wolf man. Like he's just yeah. he's someone's deviant art page. I, I love, love dogs. dogs. I've always loved dogs. I love dogs. <laughs> it's, it's, that line is one hundred percent serious. I'm uh, really glad you said that at the same time as I did. <laughs> <laughs> I love dogs. Um. Well, I guess I'll say this. Um. I don't think this movie is meant to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Like all the r- absurd, ridiculous stuff. Like he's a wolf man, dude, and like I. <laughs> She controls bees. Yeah. Like that's nobody should be should take that seriously. Because they can detect royalty. Yeah. They can detect <laughs> they royalty. They know. They don't lie. I just this movie to me is messy and but it's fun, like ridiculous, over the top, like dumb shit. And I don't know if anybody watching that was in on that the first time at least. Well, see, because um, when I was watching it, I was like, is this supposed to be funny? Like, because, you know, there's jokes and there's like all these situations that are funny and like all these different lines that are like kind of cheesy, like meant to be humorous. And I was like, but is it are the other parts of it too serious to make it like a funny thing to watch, I guess, was what I was confused about when I was watching it. So. Mm-hmm. I see what you mean, though. But it also plays with themes, like we've said before, of just, like, uh, from moment one, like, before she even gets in the space, like, her, like, cousin or uncle or whatever is, you know, wants her to sell her eggs so he can buy a fucking flat screen TV. Yeah. Um, oh, and there's that really great line, like, what, you're treating her like a fucking chicken. Yeah, don't treat your cousin like a chicken. Yeah. Um. Which I thought it was really interesting good. how the uncle said that when he was like, men don't like smart girls, but then was right. like, don't treat her like a chicken. I was like, huh. I feel like he looked mm-hmm. at a picture of the word feminism and was like, huh. Anyways. <laughs> anyway, um, it's back to this. But yeah, this whole movie is just like a bunch of dudes imposing their, like, what they want uh, Jupiter to be and like the image of like her quote unquote mother and uh you know oh you should this is what this is where your life is going and this is what i want you to be and like constantly like being in like a powerless situation and having to fight that constantly like that move this movie uh i think did that well in my opinion um and plus the fact that like the fact that she literally owns the earth but she still has to clean houses for a living like that is the most like most capitalistic just like no this sucks like she owns the earth and she's flying around with a werewolf guy but she's still extremely poor yeah and you know lives in uh this house with her family like it is the most like blatant just like uh capitalism sucks sort of deal um, I was. I'm curious what you thought, Alan, was problematic about it. It's specifically just the fact that I feel like Jupiter spends a lot of the second half of the film getting saved, like for a movie mm-hmm. about her rebelling against the people, the men that are telling her what to do. A lot of it is like she's in a situation, and then Channing Tatum has to come save the day, and then she's in mm-hmm. another situation, and he has to save the day again. Like that happens like three or four times in a row, and I'm just like, I. You... That's like fun. Like we're gonna get more chase scenes. 
Uh, but the way it's like three, it's you know, the the Wachowskis, if they're inspired by anything, if any two things is like video games and anime, which is also interesting because they very very much inspired video games uh, that have come after their films, which for better or for worse, mostly for worse. Um, but like, uh, what am I trying to say here? There, the 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 choice to have there be three people ruling, three siblings, uh, was interesting to me. Uh, these are the three people that are trying to basically tell Jupiter, like, hey, you're a reincarnated version of our mom. Uh, we all want you to do different things. Um, and there's right. the sister who's played by uh, the wonderful actress from Sensei, whose name I can't remember. Oh, Tuppence Middleton. Uh, and she's great. She's probably my, like, like early favorite. Um, I was going to say favorite, but that's not true at all. And you know who my favorite is. Um, <laughs> and she's just kind of like, oh, you don't need to get married. Like, if you want to just, like, go rule by yourself, that's great. Uh, my work and the stuff that I do here is going to keep going if you become queen by yourself. And she's like, that seems like a fair deal. I get to be independent. Great. And then the brother, played by a uh, handsome eyes man, amazing chin McGee. Uh, <laughs> like, holy shit, that guy's chin! Uh, oh is like, he's like, the world will be saved if you marry me. And we have a really annoyingly ostentatious <laughs> space marriage surrounded by robots. Uh, and then it turns out like even he is lying to her. Um, and then the ultimate bad guy, everyone's favorite, <laughs> motherfucking uh, Eddie Redmayne as uh, the, be- <laughs> the the best, the best, the best guy, the best, the best like being. cartoon character of a villain. Yep. There are so many different ways to 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 play a villain like that. Like you can either play it very high up, like high register, always shouting, always excited, and like violent. Or you can play it out of like an absolute zero, like a smoldering Giovanni from Pokemon, the anime kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, and he's like, no, 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 no. I'm playing both at the same yep. time. I'm playing 100 so and zero, good. no 50s. It's so good. You need to get a clip of that, of his performance in here at some point. Cause like, yeah. <laughs> just going from, there's the scene, like the, the first scene where uh, she goes into his throne room and his like person that works for him leaves and he's like, my mother taught me what was necessary to rule in this universe. By killing people? I create life! And I destroy it. I, what? <laughs> I got, like, scared. Like, my, I had to turn the volume up and down over and over again because I'm like, Mr. Redbane, please! <laughs> you got scared? I fucking laughed my ass off. Really? I, I was, loved it. I was like, dang! I didn't love intensity. it. It just, it just scared me, like the noise, because I was, I was listening, watching this film like pretty late at night, the first half at least. <laughs> um, and so that character, I was just like, um, why are we yelling? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I loved it, but so it, it much. really does work. And then he gets a really satisfying uh, death, also, which is great. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I uh, really loved his character. Like, yeah, I actually yeah. like super. Really, I was like, dang, this guy, he doing it. He feels like he's acting in a different film. He's just like, <laughs> at least compared, especially compared to his siblings. Like he's being yeah. pulled, he's play, being pulled between two universes. Balaam Abri, Abri what, how do you pronounce the last name? Abrix? It, Abrasics. Abra- there you Abrasics. go. Thank but you. it looks like Abrasax, which I think is a funny name. <laughs> uh, there's so many good names. Freaking Kane Wise, Jupiter Jones, the, Ab- the Abrasics, Stinger. <laughs> Gotta love like Sean Bean Stinger, the most forgettable character in this movie. Uh, who doesn't die? It's the first thing that Sean Bean doesn't die in ever. Maybe. Oh, it's it's a film full of character. I think that's that's um, a good thing. A good way to describe it. Uh, I want to go back to 
so i wanted to talk about the problematic stuff yeah yeah sorry i don't so the thing with the relationship is that like mila kunis has she initiates this and she has full control over this dude from the beginning Mm -hmm. um and i think that's really important to the rest of the movie because yeah uh if she didn't like raise an interest like like chantane's character is very much just you know he wants to get back into whatever military thing that's going on here yep um and so without that i don't like that's that part is really important to me like i don't for me this whole movie is just like okay you're going to be powerless and uh you need to work trying to work within powerless situations i get i I get, that's like what i'm getting at right. it's like like jupiter isn't really in power in most of these situations and like yeah it's true that Chiang tatum comes in and saves her every time um but i didn't like i didn't read that as being like a something that was inherently gross in this movie um it was more i felt like it was just more like jupiter is in these situations where uh she has no agency and she's trying with what she knows um and what she can do within her power uh to do what she can in these situations as opposed to like jupiter is helpless and she doesn't have agency like she totally does um and she's working within that so i don't know i don't necessarily agree that it is capital p problematic Mm -hmm. Um, i got you just because I bought, I bought into the relationship, and I, like they're like they like mutually respect each other. It wasn't just like, Channing Tatum's character was never just like, oh, you're powerless, and that's why I have to keep saving you. It was just a thing that kept happening because people kept abusing Jupiter. Right. So I, it's, mm, I, I will agree though, like because when I, with the other thing I was telling you, uh, when I was watching the first half, was, uh, it felt like Jupiter's character, um. Not that she didn't need to exist, because a lot of the film is about her development, obviously, but just that I would love to see a film just about this universe existing um, without the need to, like, have Earth as a grounding force. Because there's so many incredible, like, landscape shots of the planet, the the Abraxas planet, like, and I'm just like, I want to see all of that. I want to, like, read a comic that takes place there or something. Uh, because because when you because when you get Jupiter's story early on, it's a lot of her being like, what's going on? Why is this weird? Why uh, does every other society outside of the Earth, like, know that aliens exist? It's kind of like Mass Effect, except um, it's less about, like, and then all of humanity found the good, the other aliens, and more like, uh, none of it, no one else knows that these people exist, except you right now, and you're learning for the first time. But, like, getting back to the her agency kind of thing she picks up on everything really fast like really fast mm-hmm. uh, I bet pretty much after a certain point in the movie she's like yeah i can i have control of this situation i'm no longer i'm not being strung along anymore uh, i really like the scene like speaking of that where she you know goes to meet titus and she's like you're breaking this code of conduct by doing this yeah that other thing you're breaking this that and i was like ooh. <laughs> That that comes after the bureaucratic montage, which I love. Mm-hmm. That was right. one of the best parts yeah. of the movie. Yeah, I like that too. Because <laughs> it, it, it's yeah. like all of the world building you need in five minutes. And then it also explains why she goes from like questioning to competent in five minutes. 
Yeah. It's like, oh, she saw the whole process beginning to end happen in front of her. <laughs> and she got she did it for a stamp, like a Chuck E. Cheese glow in the dark stamp. It's really pretty though. It is a very cool stamp. Uh but just like all of that and like going between the banks. Um this weirdly re- like believable and relatable moment. Like we're in space and we're realizing that the world is so much bigger than we think it is, but also there's a lot of paperwork that needs to get done. Uh, <laughs> yeah. My favorite, like, single couple of moments in that movie, I think, was all of that. And, the, and sorry, and the robot guy that, like, is leading them along. And mm-hmm. he's like, this is easy. This is great. I love bureaucracy. This is really fun. And then, like, he's just, like, a thing that's out of his hands. Like, the guy that needs to take his form won't take it. And then he yep. gets closer and he's like, how much? And the guy's yep. like, says something else. And he shoots money, like, out of his wrist, like, Spider-Man style. <laughs> he's like, here, take this. Let's fucking go. Uh, yeah. I love that character. I love I love this movie in parts. Um, yeah, I going back to what you were saying earlier. Um, just the context of just like, uh, I I like Jupiter as a character just because, uh, we are seeing it through her lens, and it does feel like some like if I was abducted by aliens or some shit, like, uh, I would constantly be asking questions and. Uh, just I don't know if like she definitely gets a grip on stuff that's happening later on but for like the first half or whatever it just feels like she's kind of going along with it just like okay whatever whatever you say uh we're being attacked so I guess we'll just go with it for now um and I like that about it I also really like the first line uh Technically speaking, I'm an alien. According to the law, I'm an illegal one. Yeah. Like, that's a really good, like, a really strong first line. Oh, yeah. I thought so, too. Yeah. Is that it? Um, there has to be. There has to be more. There's that great pilot, uh, the, like, woman pilot who, who takes them to the planet. She's I awesome. Love her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's wonderful. That whole crew is cool. Uh, there's a lot of just like, well, that was cool. What was that? And then they're gone forever. <laughs> like a lot of that. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of like hinting at a really interesting world and then just being like, anyways, moving right along. Uh, and then, yeah, the ending was sweet. And you were talking about how it's important that Jupiter has the like agency over uh, over Kane and the whole like, ro- you know, how like whenever there's like a romantic plot in a movie, they have to like say a line at the beginning and it's it's kind of corny and dumb. But then when they say it later, it's really sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this movie that was the like uh, say that again and he's like what and she's like right. your highness right. and it's like yeah. ooh damn it she's, 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 the, she's the what is the right. fucking word I'm looking for she's this, she has the control <laughs> that's what yeah. I'm trying to say <laughs> she's great and then she they, they go right away on like a cute little scene again exactly like the matrix she skates into the camera yeah <laughs> the imdb trivia pointed that out where it was just it was like similar to the matrix this movie also ends with the protagonist flying into the screen <laughs> <laughs> and kane gets yeah. to fly with his beautiful beautiful wings and i, I teared up a little bit <laughs> is that all i think so i believe so cool all right uh, we got some questions, not about Jupiter Ascending, but uh, of music, of the music variety. We got the music questions. Uh, I'll, I'll start with Vince. Uh, this question reads, 21 Pilots. 
I wish I found some better sounds no one's ever heard. I wish I had a better voice to sing some better words. I wish I found some chords in an order that is new. I wish I didn't have to rhyme every time I sang. I was told when I get older all my fears would shrink, but now I'm insecure and I care what people think. Why? <laughs> this is Why? the best question we have ever gotten. <sighs> Why? 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 Truly, why? <laughs> what brought us to this point as a society where 21 pilots was allowed to exist? White oh people? <laughs> Thanks, white people. You brought us to... From the people that really? brought you the Backstreet Boys and in sync comes 21 pilots. Uh, yeah. They have a song where they modulate their voice to make it sound deeper. Used to play pretend, used to play pretend, bunny. We used to play pretend, wake up, you need the money. Uh, to make it sound like they are somebody who is a person of color doing their song, and it's super gross to me. That's gross to me, too. That's why I I was kind of, like, okay with them at first, and that's kind of what was, like, the not, not okay issue. Um. Yeah. And then just from like a purely musical standpoint, all their songs sound the same. Yes. Like if you hear one, yeah. you've heard the others. So. Basically. Why? <laughs> why? Stay tuned for us continuing to solve the question of 21 Pilots, why? <laughs> yeah, no, we'll make one of those like mystery shows explaining the existence of 21, like instead of Aliens. It's 21 Pilots. Or what, yeah. about a, what about a video essay where I talk about 21 Pilots? <laughs> please do it. <clears throat> yep, please do your research. 21 Pilots is a band consisting of two males. One is named this guy. The other one is the other guy. Their music consists... <laughs> I can't hold it. I, I don't know how I made that video. It's like 10 minutes long. Good gosh. You will see that the band is called 21 Pilots. But there's only two members. <laughs> That's good. Where did the other so, 19 pilots go? X-Files theme place. <laughs> it's, yeah, and this is how the seasons exist because of the 19 other pilots. And this is how it's the mystery of the universe, basically. 19 pilots can't melt steel beams. There we go. There we go. <laughs> this one comes from M. What is the worst song you love the most? Did anyone have time to think about this question? Um, mildly. Mildly. Okay. I have to get something specific going. I'm very interested going. in hearing all of your bad songs that you love the most. Have you heard Have you all heard of Smell Yo Dick? Why are you coming home? Five in the moon. Something's going on. Can I smell your dick? Don't play me like a fool. Oh, wait, I have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like that song a lot. It's garbage, but (laughs) it's also really great. 
Oh my gosh. I have two. Can I can I have two? The only bad the only bad part of that song is that a dude does a rap and it's the worst. Yep. But it's also the it's super hilarious. Yep. Um and uh any Weezer song, I guess. <laughs> All of it. <laughs> the whole thing. Ooh, the roast. Cause, Cause like their songs are really catchy, but then they're also just like Things a creep would say. I uh, love you didn't put the this USA. to a night. I love the USA. <laughs> Fuck yeah, it's great. Or whatever the yep. lyrics are. Wait, re- that's really a line? And then he annotated all the lyrics with more lyrics? With more. No, yeah. Okay, so Weezer put a song out yesterday called I Love the USA. It was for like Independence Day or whatever. And it's bad. And the chorus is I love the USA. Fuck yeah, it's great. What? It's really great. Sorry. Fuck yeah, it's really great. <laughs> That's the chorus. Yep. Yeah. Um, I have two songs that I like that are terrible. Uh, mm-hmm. Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba is a jam. I don't care who that's not a bad song <laughs> okay there are people who think that song is annoying i love that song and i know all of the lyrics to it to be fair it's one verse repeated three times uh but i know all <laughs> the lyrics to it um, it's just it's which drink did you take a whiskey drink or a vodka drink or a lager drink not oh forget God. the lock Did, who was it was it jackson that told us recently that yeah 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 <laughs> that chumba wumba with like after that song was yes. like no now we're a folk band fuck you yeah yeah <laughs> and they're really good like they're an amazing folk band uh yeah they're great the other one is um and it got stuck in my head when you mentioned the illegal alien line earlier that's why i thought of it um illegal aliens by genesis is the most casually racist jam in the world like holy shit uh if you want to see what the 80s was like and how okay we were with like racism towards uh mexican immigrants go look up the video to illegal aliens because that is uh phil collins making uh jokes about mexicans but that song is so fucking catchy i love it i hate it it's like it's torture that is that is a perfect example of what we're talking about here like fuck and genesis other than that (laughs) is amazing but like Everyone's got their bad album. Cool. <laughs> rock, rock and roll. I don't know. For me, oh boy. When I was younger, I used to like, oh, I liked Blood on the Dance Floor. I'm just going to come yeah, out and say did. it. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, you did. 
see, I, I, I hid it under the guise of uh, know, know your enemy better than your friends. But no, I liked it. Straight liked it. I thought it was funny. I know. I'm like, oh, this is bad. But it didn't, it didn't stop me. And I think maybe Candyland is, yep. my, is my favorite. Let me show you my game. I put those suits to shame. These rhymes that are right make you want to fuck all night. When we take off her clothes, she's like me too. Other than that, I'm sure. Do you know about the Kazoo Kid? Like no. the. Okay, well, it's kind of like a meme. It's some kid who made some really awkward, like, video as a young child actor. And there's a trap remix for it. And, um. I like to sing, dance, pretend, and. I like to have fun, 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 fun. I actually really like it. Sounds completely awful and stuff, and it's really funny. But I'm like, mm, these beats are bumping. So, uh, I want to give. What's the what's the hair song again? I like your hair. I don't know. It's by Scotty Vanity. Yeah. Scotty Vanity. Yep. What's the What's the actual name of that song though? Oh, I don't know. I didn't like that um, one. I do. <laughs> I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll include that in my choices. Hey there. I like your hair. Who does your hair? I want to go there. Psha. I like your hair. Who does your hair? I want to go there. Hey, bitches. My scalp itches. Let's do my own damn hair. I need more gel. My hair looks like hell. Fucking bitches. Oh my god. Blonde, blonde, Brunette. Brunette. Redhead. More like dreadhead. Oh my god. I like your hair by Scotty Vanity is awful and it's hilarious. That's fair. There's like a whole corner of YouTube full of this. Like, I don't know if I love this or not. Ice JJ Fish, great example. Oh my gosh. Uh, yep. Uh, Let me smang it by Young Hama and Flint Flossie. Amazing. Oh, Flint Flossie, dog. Did I mention I like to uh, dance? What, fl- what is Flint's? What is he up to right now? <laughs> in 2016. Did we both Did see we... that tweet? That like Nick Robinson tweet that was like, I'm I'm just sitting here in 2016 thinking about Flint Flossie. I'm like, oh, yeah. God bless. Like, is he still infatuated with stretchy pants or whatever? Like, what's he up to? He still has those weird gloves. Um, from the Lemmy Smangit video. Uh, How many dogs does he have? (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, I don't like that type, that kind of music. Or like, it's whatever. It makes me laugh. So maybe it is good, but. (laughs) 
It's this also. I don't want to be like, hey, let's get serious with this silly question. But I'm doing exactly that. Uh, there was a point where I could only like things like this ironically, but I think I just like a lot of this music now. Uh, not. I, I don't like yeah. suddenly like Genesis. This illegal aliens. That song is still fucking racist. But like, I don't know. I admit that I can like something, and and I admit that it's also shitty. I don't have to be like, oh, it's a guilty pleasure because guilty pleasures are dumb. I just, it's a pleasure. You shouldn't have to be yeah. guilty about liking right. something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I used to be like, I I hate pop music and I listen to classic rock and I am I was born in the wrong decade and all those uh-huh. kinds of nonsense. <laughs> uh, I hate pop. The indie. Pop. Yeah. I hate, I hate pop. pop. Oh, God. Britney Spears but, can go away. Exactly. But I, I've kind of come to the realization where it's like sometimes music is just fun. Like listen to music mm-hmm. to have fun. You don't have to be an elitist about everything. The day that I learned to like pop music. Yes. The day that I learned to like pop music was the day that I I came alive. Because the Carly Rae Jepsen album from last year is a fucking banger and a half. It's so good. (laughs) And I would have never listened to that in like high school because I was a garbage boy. And now I'm a successful, (laughs) less garbage boy who (laughs) likes pop music a lot. Well, there's always room to improve. Yes. All right um let's go to housekeeping uh, you can send in questions and comments at fireside friends podcast at gmail.com or you just add us on twitter like it doesn't make a difference um unless you have something long then email us but like we're on twitter uh you can follow us on itunes and stitcher and on google play uh, you can review us on there too, one, Ryan. Let's not forget. You can review us. Yeah, you can review us on there. We only have like one review though. It's a good review. It's, it's a, a really good, good review. Thank you, Brenna. You can follow us on Twitter at Podcast Fireside. Um, I forgot to thank Brenna for sharing the last episode. Thank you, Brenna. Call this whole again. episode "Thanks, Brenna." <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and yeah, we got we have a YouTube channel now. We're doing me and Alan are playing. Re Alistair. Uh, I think that is the best is, thing I've ever come. Be- I'm so glad to be part of this, Ryan. Thank you. It is a fantastic. Mm. It is a fantastic a, show. You're allowed to like the stuff that you It is an entertaining make. dating sim. Oh yeah, the game is not great. It's fine. It's serviceable. <laughs> the characters are either garbage or perfect, and we need to date the perfect boys. Uh, that's our goal yes. here: is to date all the perfect boys. So check that out if you want me and Alan talking over fun stuff. And uh, we were talking about bringing on guests for this thing um, and like changing it up a little bit. Uh, I threw around the idea of guests on this show for a while and I wanted to like do something like establish us first before we worried about guests too much. But uh, it's gotten to a point now where I kind of want to change things up. Um, and I've been anxious, uh, I've been open about, like, feeling anxious, uh, about inviting people on, um, but when you're anxious about something, uh, when you, like, when you're anxious, you often, uh, restrict yourself and kind of live in your own bubble and kind of restrict outside views, and I don't want to do this for this podcast, um, so... Uh, if you want to be a guest, like you don't have to be like a famous person with some brand that you want to sell. Like, um, I want to ideally have more people on and get them to watch or play something that they want us to, 
and I want people to basically talk about something that they love or something that they're curious about and just have a conversation about that sort of stuff. Um, so that's the direction I want to move things uh, just generally. And so if you're listening to this and like we're mutual friends on Twitter or something and you're cool and you want to talk about stuff, uh, let us know because we'll love to have you on the podcast. Um, Alan, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at twitter.com slash Alan Ibrahim, spelled A-L-L-E-N-I-B-R-A-H-I-M. And that's where most of my stuff ends up getting linked. Cool. And you can find me on Twitter at Taco Detective. I don't want to plug writing. I haven't written it. Like, I haven't actually written anything in a while. Um, just because I want to do more, more learning than writing right now. So that's where I am with things. And, uh... I think that's a podcast. Um, So thank you everybody for listening. Uh, Good luck out there. And don't forget to take care of yourself. See you later. We're back and we're going to fuck. Yep, no, we're not. No, we're not. <laughs> and we're going to Jupiter ascending. Oh, that's really funny to me. <laughs> we're, asc- we're ascending to Jupiter here on Fireside Friends. Bad words. Bad choice of words. Okay. Please keep that. That's funny.